Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Hello, Slaking Thirst. This is Father Ryan Mann, and I'm here with Father Patrick Schultz. And we are giving you a little Christmas special. We want to thank you all for listening and supporting us. And we know people actually are listening from all over the world, which is kind of crazy. In fact, Father Pat, where are people listening from? You know some of them. Oh, I mean, name the country. We, there's Slake and Thirst people all over. It's crazy. Aren't uh, we really big in Toronto, Canada? Toronto, Canada. At one point, we were, we were big there. We were big. Uh, I don't want to say we're big, but we have people who've listened to us in Toronto. People who've listened in Lebanon. Uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia, yeah. Wow. Well, if that's you right now and you're listening, just we want to wish you a blessed Advent and Merry Christmas. And since we're like best friends and what we normally do on our podcast is uh, give you sawdust, which is to say we give you the leftovers. We're giving homilies and talks and we just put it up on the podcast for you to listen to. Today, we actually wanted to record us having a conversation about some of the things of Christmas we love. And so we're just going to jump right in. Now, what's your favorite thing about me? I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> how much you, um, how, humble lo- how, how humble you are. <laughs> you and I have always loved the season, even when we were in the seminary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk about all sorts of things we love, right? And the music. And it's always like, as a seminarian, you're always like, can I listen to Christmas music yet? Or are we only supposed to listen to Advent music? I always listen to Christmas music earlier in the seminary. I've, I've evolved on that. I, I listen to less and less Christmas. I think it's because I'm more, not sick of some of it, but there's just... I don't know. I, I listen to Christmas music later and later these days. What's your least favorite Christmas song? Least favorite? Oh gosh. Um, I hate the 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 Chipmunks one. Oh. Yeah, I hate the Chipmunks Alvin? one. Alvin. Yeah, Alvin. Um, Alvin. Um, I hate that one. I hate. Um, Are you ready? I'm gonna tell you the one I don't like, and I think you actually like it. Oh no. What that's. One with the stupid thing with the mom's dying and get her in shoes. Oh, no, that one, the, um, the emotional manipulation song. It's like, would you want to buy these? Shoes. Yeah, that stupid what song. What was that? Christmas? Is it Christmas shoes? I don't know. It's so. I think there was a video even put out trying to put it in. It yeah. just, it's sad. I don't like it. But they like that song is like you play on the fish. That song is like every like third song. Oh, I swear they're playing that song. It's just emotional manipulation. It is. So I do want to talk about though. Uh, you know, we also talk about how we believe everything. Good and beautiful is actually a little glimpse of something much deeper, part of the mystery, the mystery of God, mystery of Christianity, mystery of our faith. So, like, talk to me a little about something you love about the Christmas season. Yeah, the, um, I mean, I, I have such uh, just vivid memories as a little boy sitting in the backseat of my parents' car, coming home from different things at night in the Christmas season, and uh, just being mesmerized at the lights on uh, the people hang on their, you know, they, they decorate trees on the outside of the house or the bushes or um, it's, it's this, um, like, I remember when, maybe you don't remember, but remember when like, like icicles, like those that you hang on the gutters, like there was, there was a time when those got invented. It was like that. I remember the year being like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, everyone had them and there's different kinds. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. They're just, um, there's something so beautiful about seeing, just all these little lights. I mean, they're just, that's all they are. They're just little lights, but they're illuminating the, dark, the darkness. And they make, like, bushes beautiful and shrubs beautiful and trees. I don't know. There's just something 
it's just so different. It's like a, a high, like a, like highlighting a particular aspect of creation that otherwise you overlook. Yeah. And it's um, <laughs> there's just something haunting and nostalgic and um, just so beautiful. I love Christmas lights. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I especially like when you're driving down a neighborhood and you turn a corner and you didn't realize one house went like above and beyond. Yeah. Uh, there's a house right near St. Basil's uh, and they, you drive up and you actually tune your car radio yeah. to the song. This one's the radio station. My, my Sacred Heart. Yeah, and then like all the lights are like choreographed to the yeah. song, to the music. Uh, by the way, speaking of that, if you listen to this and you hear background sounds, we're actually recording this in a coffee shop. So we yeah, we're, we're pretty cool. We can't control any of the background sounds. So if you're wondering what those are, that's what's happening. But yeah, the lights. I, I, what I thought about lights too is they're not halogen beams. Yeah. It's a bunch of little lights that kind of draw you in and disarm you and make something scary, kind of the darkness of night, all of a sudden very inviting. And it's not like the startling shock of a fluorescent light. It's, it's a bunch of little lights strung together. And, and I just, I think about the Easter vigil when I think about it. Like, oh, yeah. Like there's just a little candles lit and all of a sudden the darkness of the night of the Easter vigil. There's like this warm kind of nostalgic and yet haunting imagery of the light shining out of the dark, but not getting rid of the dark, just shining out of it. And Christmas lights, do you like white or colored more? Ooh, white. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Now, how about those? There's like really, really bright and then like the yellowish antique white. I like the old. Yeah, I like the old the school. Old, and yeah, the more yellowish. Like, I, yeah, I don't really like the, the because they almost look blue because yeah. it's so bright, the LED white. Um yeah, what you were just saying reminded me of. Um, I don't remember if you talked if we talked about this at one point, but the um, or where I heard this, but the expectation of like what what we would expect when the light of the world came into the world, we would expect it to look like a like you know like one of those like movie premieres searchlights that would oh, be yeah. like flashing through the sky. Like you'd expect this this explosive like ten billion candle power light coming up from the manger, but what you get is this tiny little baby. Like what you get is like a little Christmas light. You don't get this searchlight. You get this tiny little flickering flame. You know, like we light the the flames of our advent wreaths. And um, like, for, you know, as we're recording this, we're, we're before the, the third Sunday of Advent. Um, Way to give that away. Well, you know, with the, 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 now it's dated. Time, time stamps. But like the the candle that represents joy, or the, you know the candles that represent hope. Right. It's like they're just it's a little flame. Like that's that's just the Jesus. Like he's the he's the this infant time. This little flame. This little flame. Yeah, I'll sometimes give people a penance when it's closer to Christmas time. That like at night, turn off all the lights except the Christmas tree, and just sit there for about five ten minutes, and just like see the beauty of the tree, kind of awakening different parts of their hearts, and just. Let the Lord kind of speak to them through that and allow their hearts to speak to the Lord. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I guess that's something, too, about Christmas lights I like is, uh, like you said, they're like, they're inviting, like a halogen beam or like huge LEDs, spotlights, floodlights. They have a way of like creating in me like a rigidity or like a clenched fist protectiveness. Yeah. But like Christmas lights have a way of disarming me. Oh, yeah. They like awaken and draw out of me this like, I don't know. A desire to enter into this like mystique or this mm. mystery that's kind of there's something both childlike and wisdom filled all at once in there. And yeah, I just think the idea that the same thing as the Christ, right? When Jesus entered people's lives, 
they didn't always get defensive. Sometimes they did. Yeah. But more times than not, those who are most broken and hurting, they felt so safe and warm. They were drawn to him, we see in the scriptures. Yeah. So like, Christmas lights really do speak of Jesus. Yeah. Like, I remember, there's so many Christmas breaks I remember as a seminarian from St. Mary's in Hudson that, you know, you get like a key to, to the church when you're a seminarian. At least I did. I don't know if the other guys did. I never got a key. <laughs> yeah, you did. I never got a key. I think you gave me your key. Well, that's where it went. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah you took my key. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're breaking up, folks. This is the last, like, <laughs> it's like thirst is officially over. <laughs> um, but, like, going into the church at night, and uh, the Christmas trees would be up in the sanctuary, and the light they left the lights on. So just, like, I love sitting in the pitch black church, like you were just saying, and it, it, it like, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Like, and it's so hard to even articulate, even like right now, like, why, why is that beautiful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just is. It, it is, just, yeah. It just is. And it does something to your heart. Like, as you said, disarms, puts you in a posture of just like, I don't know, repose. Like, there's just something very beautiful being given to you. Yeah, it's, you know, there's a there's supernatural, natural contemplation, right? So supernatural is where you're contemplating things of God directly. Scripture, sacraments, uh, silence. But then there's natural contemplation where we can just use the things of our life that slow us down and draw us to maybe meditate more, uh, more, more deeply. And I just think Christmas lights do that. It's like a, it invites you. It says, will you just rest for a minute in this crazy life? Will you just enjoy this moment? And uh, yeah, there's something beautiful about that in Jesus. And I guess that's why we wanted to do this podcast. Just talk about some things we love to maybe help you give your own reflections. So I love Christmas lights. What, yeah. what do you love? Um, <clears throat> kind of maybe expanded from the Christmas lights is, I just love decorations. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, and this comes from my mom. My mom was a great decorator. My dad was Jewish growing up, right? So they did have decorated for Christmas. He didn't care about the message of Christmas, but he did like a decorated house. Oh, yeah. So like, even though he was Jewish, he loved, I remember my mom collected Santa Clauses. So he would go out and find the coolest Santa Clauses. Or there's these gigantic silver, red, and green, like three foot wide balls that were like gold looking and really nice. And he would, He'd hang them all over the house. And it was just a sense of like, when you go into someone's house and it's decorated really well, it, it, it captures the category of like place. Yeah. Like this is a place. Uh, it's ordered. It's cared about. It's intentional. And there's something when you go into a place like that, you can relax. You can receive. You're going to be taken care of. You're almost accompanied. And it sounds weird, like fathered and mothered by the decorations into this world that's really beautiful and meaningful. And obviously as priests, we see it even more now as, a, as I'm around liturgical seasons more. You can, a good art and environment committee can make a church really pop. Oh, yeah. In one way. But yeah, decorations is something I love. Mm. Um, my mom every year, actually this year she asked us not to. We took a break this year, which I was fine to do. But my whole life we always did a village. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it takes hours. I mean, it's eight or ten different homes, different Levels. Levels and 30 or 50 different trees and 80 different figurines and cotton and all this stuff. All the fake snow. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was just like, it was just neat to put that together. And that was like for us, like when that was decorated and put up, it's like, man, we have taken care of the home now. uh, Yeah, it's just something that connects to something deep about wanting to belong, wanting to feel accounted for or thought of. When you go into places decorated, like, man, they've put thought into this. And this is something really echoing the, the thought of God when he made creation of like trees and sun and moon and stars and birds and animals. And like, 
it's thought of. It's de God decorated creation. It wasn't just a white wall. There was yeah. it was filled with yeah. things. How about you? What was your decorations growing up that you really loved? Well, the thing that I that I've been thinking about with these decorations is like two things. One, they're just they're so personal, mm. and they just elicit so much nostalgia, right? Like there's just, um, like every family's got their own decorations yeah. and they've got their own places and every decoration there's like stories behind it and traditions behind it what goes out where who puts this where like for me growing up like i remember my mom and i that we would take a whole day and we'd be blasting like Mannheim steamroller or trans your orchestra like just blasting it through the house and just setting the things out and decorating and um just like you there there was a there was a christmas village that I mean, over the years, it's expanded into like a, a metropolitan, you know, metropolitan <laughs> major center, like Sim City. Oh my gosh, it is like it is expanded. There, there's a mayor. There's you know, <laughs> but like it went from being on this tiny little bay window with maybe like three small porcelain pieces around this Christmas tree in the center. And I just have memories being like four years old, like sitting on the back of the sofa, just like lost in this little village this christmas world the bay window seeing snow coming down on the outside and um but yeah they just evoke such a deep sense of home because it's like the people the places the smells all of it coming together to like this is the this is the matrix of my my childhood my upbringing my my family's story um and yeah and as you grow like you know things change and shift and maybe decorations get lost or broken and um, or like what you're just saying maybe we maybe there comes a year when all of a sudden you're not doing the Christmas village again um, but yeah for me decorations are, are they're so they're, they're so specific personal nostalgic um, you know as you're saying that I guess it's a good point to make it's just thinking about how like Christmas isn't abstract yeah, no. Like, so, like, what what communicated Christmas to you? Although we both talked about villages and things, there were certain houses and certain ways. Because I think I've been to your house, and I think I think you had shinier village homes, uh, if I remember. Ours were more of like the uh, Dickens New England style. But I think yours were shinier, if I remember. Mm -hmm. Like that's a different thing for you. Or like I bet there was foods. Like my mom made a pizza dip only around Christmas time for us, mm. and there's certain and there was like certain foods. My mom always had the balsam-smelling candles mm -hmm. out, and um, and we listened to um, uh, "Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer." It was a big classic <laughs> at our home. We used to sing it and laugh, and um, but like you know, just like on a natural level, like the the narrative of Christmas isn't abstract or universal in the sense that it looks and smells and tastes and feels a certain way in your home and versus my home. Like so, too the Christmas story, like. God became enfleshed in a particular place at a particular time. And like he used all the surroundings and stories of his culture to manifest and communicate the Father's love. And it's just so important to know your story and know what is Christmas for you or what are the things that you really need or love to make this season come alive. Because if it's important to you, it's important to God. It's like a connecting point there. And I think what's like important... I guess like a missing piece, like what we're talking about, a missing piece that often goes just so unnoticed or just ignored in, I think, the Christian culture is that 
like what we're talking about is the stuff that has moved our hearts, mm-hmm. right? Like the stuff that has stirred up longing in it's our like hearts. Just loves hearts. So does oh. Basil's. We all love the hearts. Come on, baby. Let's just get into the heart right now. But yeah, it's true. It's like what has moved our hearts, like, um, because at the at the end of all of this, the the. The conspiracy from heaven to earth is that God wants access to our hearts. He wants union with our hearts. He wants our hearts. So he's using everything at his disposal. Like there's nothing that's off limits that he's like, oh, I can't work with that. But it's like anything that, that awakens the heart, like he's using to, to sing us into the, the dance with him, right? Like, and that's why... We've talked about this, but like that's why this time of year, like not only is it so nostalgic, but it's such a season of romance. Right? Yeah. I mean, so many couples are going to get engaged, like in this time, like th- these days right now, leading up to Christmas. Why? Because it's a season of immense romance. That's what the story is. And I would, yeah, and I would just, you know, even off of that, I would just say it also could be a season of immense sadness. Oh yeah, and because there's so much romance. Yeah, because there's so much beauty and romance and love and union and intimacy. When that's not in our lives, when that's not present, death of someone, someone moved away, a divorce, uh, there, it can be felt all the more in this season. In fact, I was just listening to someone say that uh, counselors and psychologists. It increases huge amounts during the month of December, people yeah. wanting it, because they're in touch with, this isn't right. I can't live like this on my own. I need help. Yeah. But one of the things that does it, and my mom, I think she's seen every one of them, Hallmark Christmas movies. It was two things. The fastest growing movie genre in history, and two, it was the most watched movie genre, at least a few years ago, mm-hmm. in the month of December. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now, let me just say a few things in case someone out there doesn't know the Hallmark movie shows. They have about 15 B actors. Yeah. And they just shuffle them through different roles in every movie. So the guy who owns the tree farm in one is now the big shot attorney coming home to visit old high school sweetheart in the other. And the lady who was the mom in one is now the nurse who's going to find love in her old age in the next one. And they just shuffle them around. But almost every Hallmark story has uh, several components to it. One, a romance story where there somehow didn't imagine love happening in this season, surprisingly enough, it happens. Love breaks in. Two, there's another aspect of it where it's like family, home, coming home, being a part of a family again, type of reunion or homecoming. That's a part of it as well. Having to deal with elements of your story that you didn't want to deal with. Yeah, oh yeah, there's some sort of healing or obstacle to overcome that you've been avoiding, like, I moved off to New York, away from the small town. I'm a big shot attorney now. Mm-hmm. But I, now I have to come home and deal with the fact that, like, you know, I, I was made fun of as the prom queen or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always these these things that I have to deal with. But I know we've talked. Is... And they're always so well-dressed. <laughs> they are always so well-dressed. The girl from Full House is always in every movie. <laughs> What's her name? What was it? Candace something? I don't know. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, heard. Yeah. So, but it's important, that I think, to talk about is, like, that union is at the heart of these stories. That's what it's tapping into. It. I know I've preached before, and I think you have too during this season, is that it's because why are these Christmas Hallmark movies talking about love and union? Because the baby in the manger at Christmas in our faith is a union of the great love story of heaven and earth, divinity and humanity, 
He comes, we find out in scriptures later on, as a bridegroom to unite to his bride, the church, so that the two could become one and be abundantly fruitful and be, bring about healing and restoration and all of these things, healing, redemption, restoration, love, where things were forsaken, they're now brought into communion. All of these things you're going to hear in the Christmas readings. And what happened is, as we've stopped talking about them in the church, the culture has picked them up. Oh, yeah. But untethered from the face and heart of the one who actually fulfills us, Jesus. Yeah. So it becomes this beautiful time to talk about romance, love, engagement, um, lost loves being reunited, places that we thought were forsaken being uh, redeemed. All of that is actually what we're celebrating, and it's a great way to kind of share the gospel with the culture. Yeah, it is, uh, like, it's extraordinary. I think what, like, if you look at the readings, the week leading up to Christmas even, we even start hearing from the Song of Songs. Do really? In the Daily Mass readings, yeah. Why don't I notice that? I don't know. Probably in the morning. Probably in the morning. <laughs> what, um... Would you remember what, what passages? Hark, my lover comes, oh, bounding yeah. across the mountains, leaping across the hills. He's like a young gazelle. How about that? That's, that's right up there, baby. That was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even have his Bible in front of everyone. That was really in his mind. Here's a question. Uh, why don't you put that on your Christmas cards? Eh, the word hark doesn't get used enough. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> hark and behold. Those are words we don't use enough in the, yeah. of the Bible. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there's a sense of, like, I don't know, even as you say that, there's a place in my heart that's a little restless about hark, my lover comes to me. Like there's a sense in which God is running to us and I think there's a place in my heart that I don't trust that or uh, I think I got to do something. I don't want to wait on the Lord. And maybe in our last kind of moments here is whenever you're listening to this, just the, the message of the gospel is like maybe quoting St. Ignatius of Loyola would be helpful here is just that God is laboring to love us always. Mm. Meaning, like, he's running to you, the listener. He's running to me. He's running to you, Father Pat. And our hearts don't have to conjure things up. We can wait on him. And maybe he's going to come very quietly like Christmas lights. Maybe he's going to come in just the backdrop of your life, like a well-decorated room that makes you feel peace. Or maybe he's going to come in a bold, someone dropping on their knee and saying, I'd like to be with you forever. Mm. Uh, or maybe he's going to be in you that you're just really sad. And the good news is, is like, God's bigger than your sadness, and he wants to tenderly be with you, because he was born in a place of forsakenness. Yeah. He came into this world in a place of loneliness and darkness and coldness, but he brought the warmth, the light. And so this Christmas season, we just want to say Merry Christmas, and we just want to say thank you for journeying with us and walking with us. And those of you at St. Basil, I just want to say this is one of my closest friends, and we have conversations like this a lot. And so, Father Pat, this was fun. Hopefully we can do it again. Yeah. Yeah, this is a first for Slake and Thirst. This was good. Want to end us in a prayer? Yeah, sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. God Almighty, your Son Jesus, the Word made flesh, is actively, you are actively, Lord, pursuing all of us in all of the things that pierce and move and lift our hearts. In all of the beauty of creation, everything that surrounds us, you are wooing us, singing a song gently deep into our hearts, drawing us out from hiding into communion. You long for nothing more than to overwhelm us with this staggering message that you do, in fact, despite everything, love us and call us to greatness. You desire to slake the deepest thirsts of our hearts. May Almighty God bless you and all those that you love. 
this Christmas season, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone.